You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 415 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday here. It is Labor Day weekend, and I am joined, as often, by Scott Coleman. Scott, the Braves are very good six days a week, and the Braves are not so good on the day we record this podcast. Hey, Brad. Uh, I, I was mostly joking when we talked about this podcast being cursed a couple of weeks ago because they just don't seem to win on Sundays. But now, man, um, another Sunday loss, but overall, just a tremendous week for the Braves and to be done with the West Coast and to be done really with travel other than a couple of trips along the East Coast over these final four weeks things went about as well as they could have possibly gone so overall just a really nice week for the Braves and we have a lot of things to get into yes that is an appropriate thing to say we should acknowledge that we're mostly kidding about the Sunday thing but uh, just a couple of stats because it's just so ironic and amusing as of Right now on Labor Day weekend, the Braves have now lost five consecutive Sunday games. Um, and in the middle of that run, they basically have won every other game. That played. Not every not every game, but it's been pretty, pretty insane. Um, another one that's a favorite. They're now 10 and 12 on Sunday this year. So the rest of the days combined, they're 80 and 34. So I don't know what it is about Sunday. Uh, and it's not like, honestly, I, I can't remember who was talking about this today, even it's not like the Braves are doing the old Bobby Cox thing where they just punt Sundays. Like, Snitch just plays his guys every single game. It'd be more explainable if they were playing, you know, you know if, if it was like the absolute backup patrol on Sundays. But it's not really been that. It's just kind of variance and randomness. And uh, we, we acknowledge that it's it's more ironic than anything else. But it was a good, good it was a good week for sure. But I can't just, I can't ignore the Sunday thing, man. It's it's insane. And they're off yeah. tomorrow. So we have an, an extra day to dwell on the Sunday, uh, on the Sunday factoids. That's right. Yeah. Just one of those funny things. Of course, last year, almost famously, they could not win in day games. I mean, I say that like they weren't close to 500 by the end of the year, but they struggle in day games. I believe this year the Braves might actually have the top day game record in the majors, or at least it was right up there the last time I looked a couple of weeks ago. They've also been good in extra innings, which famously they were not great in the past couple of years with the ghost runner rule in place but i mean they won a big one on saturday night in extra innings and that course has been reversed a bit Uh, yeah man just can't win on sundays i don't know what it is maybe they're they're not getting their chick-fil-a on sunday mornings before Ah, the game maybe who knows but um overall yeah i mean just when we when we previewed the week ahead last weekend if you could have told me this was going to happen i would have taken it a million times out of 10 and pounded the table and said that is great let's get going I almost asked you that question, but it felt like it was such an obvious answer that I didn't want to even ask it because of the fact that, you know, you go out and go six and one this week, eight and two on the West Coast trip. And, you know, they they sweep the Rockies. We'll touch on that in a second more, with more depth. But that was a series in which you were just the better team by quite a quite a bit margin, but it's still baseball. So taking care of business there, winning three out of four in L.A. against um, what I know you have described that I, I agree with you as pretty clearly the second best team in baseball right now in the Dodgers. And uh, the fact that, you know, they, they could have pretty easily won today. I mean, it wasn't like it was that up for grab. It wasn't like they, they got blown out either. When this team loses, they don't really get blown out very much, which is usually a good indication of a very good baseball team. And I'm looking at it right now, actually. The Braves are, again, 90 and 46. Their expected win-loss record, when you go by run differential, is actually 92 and 44. So they're, they're actually underperforming their peripheral stats, Scott, as scary as that is. Yeah, just wild, man. This team, I'm almost, I mean, not even almost, I'm legitimately sad that we only have a couple of weeks of regular season baseball left. And the season can be so long. I don't want to speak for everyone. I know whenever you have a playoff team like the Braves have been the last five or six years, 
no, you, at a certain point, you're just kind of like, okay, let's get this show on the road and get to the playoffs. But man, the playoffs can be so stressful and things can go south in a hurry. And just tuning in to watch this team every single night has been so much fun, especially since they've really hit their their stride over the last few months, really dating back to May. Yeah, man, only uh, we were officially less than a month away from the end of the season, which is pretty wild. It is fun, and I agree with everything you just said. You know, Labor Day is kind of the official kickoff of the stretch run in baseball. Labor Day arrives tomorrow as we record this, and the Braves are off, which is a little bit strange in itself. But um, just set the stage a little bit here before we dive into the games this week. Uh, The Braves are 15 games. Yes, 15 games up in the division. Still up six in the National League over the Dodgers, even with the loss today. It's magic number season. Uh, That's dwindling, and uh, this is kind of a funny thing I just want to throw out there. The Braves could lose every game in the entire month of September and still have a better record than the team that won the World Series two years ago. They already have 90 wins, which is more than they had when they won the World Series. So we're not saying that they could just want to lose every game. I wouldn't I wouldn't encourage that necessarily. But the fact that we're all, you know, it's it's more fun when you win, of course. But this is still like interesting baseball. And I say this without, I understand what it sounds like. It shouldn't be interesting when you're at 15. Does that make sense? Like a more boring team would not be interesting to watch every game right now with the way this is going, but everyone is still dialed in because it's just a very entertaining brand of baseball. It's a personality driven team. They're just mashing all the records and the runs and run and Ronald's MVP candidacy and all that stuff. Like there's just storylines galore, which is not a given when you're up 15 games on Labor Day. Well, and I think what's really impressed me with this team is they can win in a wide variety of ways. You know, this was a club that had the historic offense, but the pitching was terrible and every game was a 10 to 8 slugfest. I think that could wear you down over over a long season. And on the other hand, if the offense wasn't very good, but they had like a historically great pitching staff and they were winning every game three to two. You know, that also just kind of feels a little bit different. Now, this team, man, they are number one in runs scored and number three in runs allowed. Which, uh, you know, Brad, I'm not good at math, but that usually leads itself to winning a lot of games when you score a lot of runs and don't give up very many of them. So, yeah. And, and then you add in the the storylines, Ronald Acuna, who, of course, we're going to talk about a whole bunch, put on a masterful series in L.A. You have the MVP discussion. You have a Cy Young discussion, which is kind of going under the radar a little bit. And you have just these great personalities. It seems like a really great group of dudes in the clubhouse who genuinely care about each other and and show up every single day. It's just been a real joy to watch this team for the last five or six months. It absolutely has. And I promise we'll stop doing all of the plaudits now and dive into the games. But I feel like it was good kind of digging there a little bit on this uh, Labor Day. It's kind of one of those unofficial or I guess it's official holiday across the uh, across the country and uh, certainly one to kick off the stretch run in the baseball world. Um, Let's begin, Scott, with the Rocky series that Honestly, was kind of ho-hum, which is funny when I say that, given how dominant they were. But the Braves did not lose to the Rockies all year. That's a 7-0 run against Colorado. Colorado's very bad. That's worth noting. But uh, to your point, actually, Monday they bludgeoned them offensively. Tuesday it was the Charlie Morton show. And then Wednesday it was just both sides and Darius Vines. Like, there were stories, but it wasn't, again, not like what you just said. It was not just one way of winning. They just beat them up in every way. Yeah, and anytime you're playing a series in cores. You anticipate winning because of the very obvious talent discrepancy between Atlanta and Colorado, but Coors is a park that can be the old equalizer, and all of a sudden you feel like you're going to win a couple games, and you look up, and you've lost two out of three suddenly. Yep. So for them to blow up on Monday, it was, you know, Bryce Elder was fine, um, did a good enough job in Coors, and then you know the offense really blew up late. I believe they scored eight runs in the final couple innings, um, 18 hits. Uh, really just up and down the lineup, which has been a theme all year long. The offense really showed up, and and Bryce Elder did his job keeping the team close enough until the offense could do its job. Yeah, that's essentially that's the, sh- the short version. Ronnie had four hits. He, of course, had the huge week. That was when he hit the 60 stolen base mark on Monday. Um, as as reference, Tuesday was kind of a weird game, I will say. Um, I have to talk about Charlie Morton in a second, but we'll leave with this. They won 3-1 to one on Tuesday. The Braves had 15 hits on Tuesday. And score only three runs. That was, I believe, as Mark Bowman had this, only the second time for the Braves since 1996 that they had 15 hits and only scored three runs. 
Um, that's pretty hard to do, especially in cores where everything is a momentous occasion. But it didn't bite them because Morton was so good. But Ozuna was still red hot as he has. We talked about that for two weeks now, I feel like. But he's been incredible. And then uh, from there, it was uh, pitching was just awesome. But just a weird stat there more than anything else. Like they got all kinds of hits. In fact, almost as many hits as they had on Monday, but 11 fewer runs. Yeah, just uh, I mean, that was a game the Braves very easily could have won 10 to 1 instead of 3 to 1. Just couldn't get a couple of big hits with runners on base. Uh, but Charlie Morton, really strong. He wasn't as sharp on Sunday afternoon, but Morton went six innings, only one run, eight strikeouts, which was really encouraging to see. He has pitched well, especially since he had that weird kind of blow up in the middle of July. <laughs> yes. And then the bullpen, other than a couple of notable exceptions, uh, Friday and Saturday night or uh, Thursday and Friday night in L.A., bullpen was really strong again. And, you know, one of the the storylines that I'm curious to see over this final month is, is what kind of established roles does Brian Snitker see these relievers in? Obviously, Iglesias is going to be locked into the ninth. I think they will utilize Minter in more of an eighth inning type of role, but I, I, I would certainly be in favor of at least being open to utilizing him in a variety of roles especially in the playoffs where sometimes the biggest leverage spot happens in the fifth or sixth or seventh inning. And then, you know, Pierce Johnson's been great. Joe Jimenez, despite the issue on Thursday night, Jimenez has been really strong since a little bit of a slow start out of the gate. And then a handful of others who are going to be vying for kind of those middle relief roles. But on Tuesday, those guys went nine up and nine down being Pierce Johnson, AJ Minter and Rysel Iglesias. And, uh, you know, again, it just kind of the opposite of, of, Beating a team like crazy with a bunch of runs, a three to one rent, three to one win in Coors Field is tough to do, and and they did it. Yeah, even against a Rockies team that again it is quite bad, holding anyone to one run in a game in course is not a small thing. Um, the Rockies have terrible pitching numbers, but their offensive numbers look okay, especially when you don't adjust for course. Like they've scored plenty of runs. That's not a offense is very good, but they can score. They can and do score in, at home, and holding them to one there, uh, and you know Morton looked great. In that start, uh, you were right about, you know, obviously today he was not quite as sharp. Um, but in I believe inclu- even including today, he's allowed, I think it's three runs in the last five starts combined for Morton, something like that. It's uh, He's been remarkably good now for about a month uh, after, like you were right to say, his blow up in July. So, yeah, uh, uh, also clinched the sixth straight series win, and now it's seven consecutive series wins for the Braves after they also won the Dodgers series. So a nice night at the office on Tuesday. And then Wednesday, Darius Funts a name that we've not talked about really much at all, to be honest with you. Um, he was called up and looked like he was going to make his debut and, and ended up doing that in a start, a 25-year-old. I thought he looked really good. I'll set this up. to You were obviously covering it for us at Battery Power as well. Um, our minor league guys really seem to like Darius Fines in the spring, but he was, he's been banged up. In fact, I had almost just not forgotten about him existing, but like he was not really on my radar. He's been out for so much. In fact, he only had five starts all year. In Gwinnett, but uh, he looked pretty darn good, especially when you adjust for course. I, I was impressed, and our minor league guys really like Vines. They thought he was had an opportunity to be successful. A little bit unconventional, right? Twenty five years old. You mentioned his shortened and abbreviated year in Gwinnett so far, but I was impressed, and especially the changeup. Uh, I know they said that uh, the changeup was as good as it has been all year. And when you pair that in with course field and the altitude. So I, I think Vines has firmly put himself in the mix to make a couple of starts this month. Perhaps once the Braves clinch, uh, they will likely want to skip or push guys back as much as they can. It seemed like Vines was lined up to start actually this upcoming Tuesday. But with the L.A. series taking a toll on the bullpen, they opted to bring up Ben Heller and, and have another fresh arm in the pen but Vines did everything he could have to you know, give himself another chance. It was great having his family there, too. I am a sucker for those things. Yeah. Just so great. He has certainly battled the odds. He was a seventh-round pick, I believe, so not a guy who had a ton of pedigree either. But he, he was impressive, and, and when the Braves really needed someone to go out there and eat some innings, he worked six innings in Coors Field. And I can guarantee you the last thing that Brian Stitker wanted was for whoever started to go – two and a third and all of a sudden he's trying to cover the final seven innings going into a very important four game series against the Dodgers. 
strongly agree there. And uh, I know you said that they were planning on having him start um, a pretty cool thing, even though he didn't end up staying up was that he got to go to LA with the team for a couple of days. He's actually from Oxnard, California. So a little, little sprinkling there to have him be able to travel and see his family and be kind of just be in LA with the team for a couple of days. That's a cool thing there. And I, and he, he, he might be back at some point. Um, not, he can't come back this week because of all the roster rules, but you could see him later in the month for sure. Given the way he pitched um, other than other thing from Wednesday, is that, you know, Ozuna just raking every single day. But they, the Braves set the new franchise record for home runs in a season. And yes, Scott, it was August 30th. So the Braves set a new franchise record. This is a franchise that's been around for a very long time. And they did it on August 30th. That is absolutely outrageous, like, behavior. Uh, they're still on pace to break the National League record and the Major League record and all that stuff. Um, that's not as guaranteed. But to break a franchise record again on August 30th for a cumulative season-long total, that's just ludicrous. Yeah, and it, it was appropriate that I believe Marcelo Zuna hit the home run to tie, and then Orlando Arcia hit the home run to break the record. I mean, those two guys, when we look back on this season, talk about two players who did not have much expectations at all, right? I mean, there was a little bit of optimism that Ozuna could refine himself after a, a solid spring. Of course, Arcia was the big surprise of March getting the starting shortstop job. I mean, you and I did a podcast and we were kind of like, man, what are they doing here? And Orlando has gone on to shatter every possible expectation for him, had a huge hit on Saturday night as well. So for the bottom half of the lineup to set that record felt very appropriate. We all knew how good the top end of this lineup was going to be with the talent and star power. But really the story of the Braves offensive surge has been one through nine even when the top stars aren't having big big nights it seems like someone in the bottom half of the order is going three for four with a home run and a double it just makes this team so much more difficult to pitch to yeah just throw some numbers out there um to that end the braves currently after today's games have five guys with at least 28 home runs seven guys with at least 20 home runs 10 guys with at least 10 home runs and then Arcia has 17. So they have eight guys with at least 17 homers. And that does not even include Michael Harris, who's been, you know, basically a, uh, we should say at least an all-star level player since he's, since he had that slow start. So they are incredibly deep and incredibly powerful. And yes, it's Olsen and it's Acuna and it's Ozuna and, but it's, it's everybody it's uh, up and down the roster. So yeah, breaking a record like that on August 30th was pretty crazy. One more note here before we move on to the Dodger series. Um, you you pointed this out to me. I didn't really it didn't really jive with me immediately. Um, what did what did you make of the Iglesias thing where he he pitches with a four run lead on Wednesday and then they had to use him on Thursday for the third straight night? Um, not what you want to be doing probably in August with your closer when you have a hundred game lead in the standings. Just a weird thing. I'm not really sure why he pitched on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, I, I raised my eyebrows a little bit when he came out uh, four run lead. I know it's cores. Offense can happen in a hurry in that park, but it was a little odd knowing that you had a big series coming up, really the biggest series on the calendar as far as I was concerned around the corner. Thankfully, Iglesias pitched on Thursday and was able to get out of it. Um, you know, it, it looked like it was going to be one of those stories where if things would have gotten out of hand on Thursday and Iglesias couldn't close it out, then it would have been like, what the hell? Like, what, you know, what yes. are you doing here? <laughs> 100%. Uh, so it, it didn't end up having, you know, it didn't happen that way. Uh, but it was a little weird. I don't know. Maybe they're trying to get Iglesias some like back-to-back-to-back work. I, I don't know. But uh, more times than not, unless he's just needing to get on the mound. I mean, four-run lead, I, I trust other guys in this bullpen. But ultimately, it you know, thankfully, it did not matter a ton. It did not matter, but uh, listen, we have to stay on brand and at least bring it up because it was something that you you raised and I agree. When, when you said it, I was like, yeah, it actually doesn't make any sense at all. So we had to note it, but there you go. Okay, a quick break now here from our sponsor on today's podcast. We'll be back with the entire Dodgers series and a look ahead to next week and beyond. Stay tuned. Scott, Thursday's game was incredibly entertaining. Not necessarily in a way that it was breezy for the Braves. They were up big most of the game and then it got a little bit dicey, let's just say. Um, but uh, you called it. Maybe the game of the year. I don't. I don't know if I'd go there, but it's certainly on the on the short list, and it ends, ends up being a nice win for the Braves. It looked like it was going to be a blowout, and I mean it was seven to one. It yes. did, and then the Dodgers, who again, I, I think they're a very good team. I, if you argue they're the second best club in the sport this year, I would not disagree. Um, you know, it was the MLB Network showcase on Thursday night, where it's a national telecast, 
and, and just big expectations going in, right? Both clubs, I mean, really, they haven't seen each other since middle or late May. So it's been some time in the National League. Both teams are heavy favorites to come out of the league and, and be in the World Series. Of course, you had Spencer Strider on the mound. There was all of the Mookie Betts versus Ronald Acuna Jr. headlines over the last 10 days or so. And then you add in just a tremendous nail-biting baseball game to start the series. Really just a nice win for the Braves. And even if it was not uh, the best for our heart health along the way, I don't know about you, it was. It felt like a playoff game. And, uh, you know, good to get that experience. And in a ballpark, the Braves just have had no success in over the years. Really a nice way to start the series. Yeah, it was a late one, too. So the folks that were up watching that one, uh, we we were dying slowly. But yes, uh, some headlines in the game beyond just the fact that it was an awesome game. Ronald Acuna hits a grand slam to become baseball's first ever 30-60 guy. And it happened on the day he got married, which is insane. Uh, that was not like scheduled. And there's a great piece by Alden Gonzalez at ESPN laying this out um, and the reasoning and all that stuff. But uh, it was it was a cool setting all the way across. It being a grand slam is awesome. Um, and we also got the the really, really fun and I use that term sarcastically narrative from people that are trying to not credit Ronnie about how easy it is, quote unquote, to steal bases this year, Scott. I'm not sure if, I re- if you got into the discourse, oh but God. it was it was yeah. a maddening cycle from Thursday to Friday. Yeah. Stolen bases don't count whenever you're just trying to fit a narrative that that you don't want the guy who has historic stolen base and home run numbers to win the award. Um, yeah, that, that's kind of silly to me. And Ronald also has like a 20 stolen base lead on the rest. I, of I was going to say that, that that's the thing that, that, that's what gets me in like absolutely incensed is that people act like it's really easy to steal bases and, and ignore that. He literally has like 50% more steals than anyone in the, in the league does. Like what, what are we even doing here? I don't understand. Well, and Ronald's been highly efficient at stealing bases too. Now I don't have his caught stealing numbers in front of me, but I think it's 11. Yeah. It's 11 caught stealings, which is so a lot, but not when you've stolen 63 bases. Like he's, right. He's, so he's, 63 out of 74, what is that? Like 85% or something like that? Pretty close. Um, uh, wow. Mathematician Scott, 85, 85.1%. Oh, baby. Stay Nailed hot. Um, yeah. Like if, if Ronald had 63 stolen bases, but it been thrown out 30 times. Sure. Then it's like, yeah, whatever he gives you, he kind of takes away. But with his speed, man, his numbers by themselves are good enough. And then anytime he gets a single, I mean, you talked about 63 steals. How many of those have been from first to second? 55 times, maybe more. I know he's stolen third a few times as well. So it's like putting a runner in scoring position anytime he gets a single. I mean, that's huge. And uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. The, uh, the discrediting of stolen bases to me is just kind of a silly. And no one's, no one's arguing that it's like the end-all be-all of player evaluation. No. But when he created a club, I mean, they have been playing baseball for a hundred and what, 40 years now in, in a, a wide range of, of eras and baseballs used and park dimensions. If you are the first player ever to do something, I don't care what it is. That's pretty damn cool. Yeah. And, you know, that's 100% true. It also happened on August 30th. So he has another month to build on the numbers. That's insane. Uh, our fearless leader, Chris Willis, tweeted this out, but there were only two guys ever that had 30 50. So it's not like it's been this easy thing to do. That was two. It was Eric Davis and Barry Bonds. Like, okay, pretty, pretty impressive uh, club to be joining. Um, yeah. I mean, I have all kinds of things on this. Um, Estuary Ruiz, who leads the American League in stolen bases, uh, has nine caught stealings. It's not like, I mean, everybody, I'm looking at this right now, everyone at the top of the list in stolen bases, with the exception of Corbin Carroll, every other guy in like the top seven or eight has at least eight or nine caught stealings. That's just what happens. When you when you try to steal a lot, you get caught sometimes. It For is sure. what it is. Yeah, a catcher is um, going to make a perfect throw. You're going to, you know, the track is going to be wet and your foot's going to slide on your jump. Of course, no one's going to be a perfect 63 for 63. It's just insane. But anyway, I mean, and look, what I'm not going to do, and I know you won't either, is act like Mookie Betts is not awesome. <laughs> like Mookie Betts is like one of the best five players in the world. And it's like not even close. It's like he's been incredible the entire time. So I, I just don't, I just didn't understand all that narrative stuff. But we'll put it to the side for now. Ronnie had a great night on Thursday. They won the game, uh, despite the fact that the Dodgers, <laughs> you made this note. Uh, was it three homers that were like barely over the wall? Or was it two? I mean, there was yeah, like, well, it was Mookie, crazy. Yeah, Mookie had a ball that bounced on the top of the right field wall. 
that Ronald just missed. His timing was off ever so slightly. And then they had two other that just cleared the fence. And look, they all count the same. But one of them was down the right field line. And they kind of have like a Fenway Park kind of set up where the fence down the right field line is like three feet high. It just cleared that wall. And then there was another one, I believe, the left that just cleared the fence. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, they all count the same. But, man, I mean, it felt good at 7-1. And then all of a sudden, the Braves were hanging on for dear life. Yes, they were. Uh, The bullpen had a a bad night. Um, We talked about how good they've been. I'm not worried about the bullpen. It's just that's one of those nights on Thursday. But they win the game. And uh, a nice start to a series that everyone acknowledged was the biggest series of the year so far. Um, Friday, they ensured that they would at least tie the series um, behind Max Free. So it's almost like Max got lost a little bit because I think the game was so late. It was Friday night. I know you watched every pitch of it because you were covering the game. But um, Max was uh, downright dominant on Friday to the point where like it almost should have gotten more attention because it, it kind of got buried, but it shouldn't have. He was just he was amazing. Yeah, that was the full Max Freed, full stop, everything working experience. He was terrific. 10 strikeouts, which was his best of a season, seven innings, three hits allowed. Of course, no runs, only two walks. He had terrific command. And Max has pitched very, very well in Dodger Stadium. Uh, Over his last three starts, Justin Toscano of the AJC had the numbers. And I think he's given up something like a total of two runs over his last three starts in Dodger Stadium. We know how good that lineup has been over the years. So for him to go out there and just keep the momentum going uh, was really, really impressive. I mean, other than the final inning where I think he allowed two runners on, I believe that was the first time L.A. even had a runner in scoring position was the seventh inning. So clearly Max had it all working. He was pounding the zone. The curveball command has been really sharp. The velocity continues to be good. So just a a really nice start from Max uh, in when the team really needed him. Yeah, that is uh, all accurate. By the way, he is from Los Angeles. Perhaps that is helpful when, in, in his dominance in Dodger Stadium. I'm not sure that's going to be telling the whole story, but he's probably comfortable going back home on some level. So put that out there. Um, yeah, I mean, they were up 6 nothing. What did you make of the, uh, it got a lot of attention, The Dave Roberts pulled Mookie and Freddie in a six-run game? Like, you don't normally see that. It was just a little bit strange how that happened. I guess it, I guess it worked. <laughs> it was very weird. Yeah, man. I feel like every time the Braves play the Dodgers, <laughs> uh, Dave Roberts makes, like, these weird decisions. He's and, so weird in general. I don't understand anything he and, does, honestly. But. And obviously they're winning because other than, I mean, it's for the last, you know, half decade, it's been the Braves and it's been the Dodgers in the, uh, in the National League. So, it's not like he's costing the team necessarily. I have never seen a manager pull what guys number one or two and then three in the MVP race in a six run game with two runners on base too. Uh, I, I don't know. Weird. And then of course, naturally when everyone's like, what the hell is Dave Roberts doing? <laughs> Colton Wong who pinched hit for Freddie hits a home run, a three run homer at that. And it's like, Oh, it, it also started all, a bunch of jokes the rest of the weekend about Colton Wong pitch hitting for either, either Betts or Freeman in every spot on Twitter. It was, that was, a, that was a fun running gag. The rest if of the these weekend. two teams meet in the playoffs, I'm fine with Colton Wong taking plate appearances from Mookie. <laughs> oh, or no. Scott, Scott, is def- Scott is definitely uh, locking in a Colton Wong three-run homer in the playoffs oh, no, against probably. the Braves with that comment. But uh, no, I, I'm with you, obviously. No, it was it was more random than anything else. But uh, if that had been Snit, we all would have made fun of it. I, I can tell you that for sure. So the fact that it was Dave Roberts, we all made fun of it. And it doesn't actually matter. They, they The Braves won the game. It was fine. It was just more... You just, you just don't see that. There was no injury that we were aware of either guy. You know, Freddie, you know, we all know this. Freddie hates sitting. Freddie hates not playing. <laughs> it's well documented over years and years. It was a right. meme for God's sake. Right. So I don't know. Um, and I do want to give a quick shout out here. We would be remiss to not give Michael Tonkin oh, yeah. a, a big time shout out. So in the eighth inning, Pierce Johnson comes in, ran into a little bit of bad luck. Ozzy Albies bobbled the ball. Probably should have just gone for an easy out. Instead, he was trying to turn two. And then the ball that Colton Wong homered on, it wasn't even that bad of a pitch. It was out of the zone, almost at his shoelaces even. And he just golfed it into right field and got it out. Uh, But Michael Tonkin came in and got a huge strikeout with the tying run at the plate. And we've really seen now over the last couple of weeks, Tonkin was the default 
blowout game, throw four innings and cover it earlier in this year. But he's getting some high, high leverage spots all of a sudden. And he probably deserves it, man. I mean, he's been really good, especially lately. Had a huge strikeout at the top of the zone. Um, Pitched a clean ninth inning as well on Saturday night with the score one to one. I mean, no margin of error, right? Obviously, if L.A. scores one, the game is over. And Tonkin got the ball in the ninth and was great. So over these next couple of weeks, I mean, he has firmly put himself into the mix for the high leverage spots come October. And if he keeps pitching like this, it's going to be hard to not hand him that ball whenever the team needs him. And I'm not saying that he's obviously no one's touching Iglesias. No one's going to take Minter as the top left-handed arm. But Tonkin's been really a, a nice, nice addition all year and has been, I think, almost unsung and under the radar and wanted to give him some a shout out because he's been great. Yeah, I mean, ERA, ERA in the low threes, um, you know, we talked about the story early in the season, but people that may not remember this, he hasn't, he hadn't pitched in the majors since 2017 before this year. Like he's a he was a totally off the radar guy. Um, and has done a great job throughout the year and in eating innings, like you said. So uh, shouts to him for sure. Uh, Ronnie Homer again, stole another base on Friday. That's nice to see. Uh, Travis Darno had been struggling pretty badly. He had a home run on Friday. That was good to see as well. And, uh, you know, we've done the whole Ozuna thing two weeks in a row, but I just have to say this out loud. Um, as of Friday, he had homered in eight of 11 games and had a 345 WRC plus in 11 games. That's not possible but yeah he did it anyway marcel's been just out of his mind i don't know what's going on there but it's just i keep like waiting for him to slow down he just hasn't really done he I, hasn't. Maybe, maybe maybe he did it a little bit over the weekend like maybe a little but i mean it's been wild he has been unbelievable i pulled numbers so since that marlin series which was the beginning of may here is the complete list of hitters who have a higher wrc plus than Marcel. And for folks maybe not as in tune, WRC Plus is is pretty widely now accepted as the best weighted offensive all-encompassing metric. It's right? basically how, how good are you hitting is essentially what it is. It's a yeah, it's a it's a better version of OPS because some players play in gigantic ballparks, some guys play in tiny ballparks, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh here are the hitters who have been better than Marcel since the beginning of May. Shohei Otani. Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Ronald Acuna Jr., and Corey Seager. And that is the end of the list. I mean, you are talking easily three of the maybe four or five best players on the planet. Corey Seager is a phenomenal baseball player, and we know what Freddie Freeman does every single year. Those are the only guys who have been more productive offensively than Marcelo Zuna. So just a a remarkable turnaround. Again, we talked about it quite a bit last weekend. A guy who was basically benched for a week, found himself in the lineup. It almost feels like as like a last resort, you know, yes, pee or get off the pot kind of thing. <laughs> and he is just ever since truly a a top 10 hitter very comfortably in the sport. Yeah. Uh, we've done enough of that the last three weeks, but that's just, it's worth noting again how crazy he had been. Um, okay, that brings us to Saturday, which was the game in which the Braves won their 10th out of 11, and it took them extra innings to do it. They won the series with that game on Saturday. It was an, another really memorable and fun game. So the swing of the season, perhaps, came for Ronald Acuna on Saturday. Uh, I'll just give the numbers, and then I'll throw it to you. He had a, it was a 454-foot 121 mile per hour home run that I I'm sure everyone's seen the replay by now, but if you haven't, you have to just watch the replay and listen to the sound this ball made coming off of his bat. Uh, it also got, it also got out of the ballpark about as fast as I've ever seen the home run get out of a bat, uh, get out of a park to center field. I mean, it was absolutely insane how hard he hit that baseball. We all know about Ronnie being really good and the power and all that stuff, but that was perhaps the most ludicrous one I've ever seen. It was just like, I mean, I don't want to overstate it, but I guess you probably can't overstate it how crazy that swing was. Yeah. I mean, again, 454 feet to dead center in a ballpark. On a ball- line. Yes. At night in a ballpark that does not have a, a reputation of being a hitter's paradise and 121.2 miles per hour off the bat. It was just a, a rocket ship, like an actual rocket ship, uh, a 3-0 pitch that was a meatball right down the middle, and Ronald was ready to swing. I mean, just a phenomenal weekend for Ronald. I am sure he heard all of the MVP talk over the last couple of weeks, and 
as we outlined, Mookie Betts is a very deserving MVP, and maybe he's going to get the award when it's all said and done. But in the most emphatic way possible, Ronald made his mark on the series. And I mean, goodness gracious, man, 121 miles an hour off the bat. Yeah, so that was the hardest hit baseball, according to StatCast, in the major leagues this season by anyone. Also a great bat flip from Ronnie, which we love to see. Um, basically, he hit the ball as hard as anyone other than other than GR, Giancarlo Stanton has ever hit the ball in a major league game. Uh, so that's something. Three home runs in the series. I, we discussed this a lot last week, so we're not going to do the entire thing again now. But as of a week ago, the big narrative, and we talked about it too, was that Betts had taken over as the betting favorite to win the MVP award after this week. And after Ronnie hit three home runs in the series and the Braves won the series, Ronnie is back to being about a minus 200 favorite that I'm looking right now on FanDuel and DraftKings, et cetera. So that's not like as big as it used to be when Ronnie was a massive favorite, but it seems like Ronnie after this week has edged ahead again. There's still a long way to go with that. Four more weeks of baseball to be played, but a big series for him. And uh, I would say headlines by that ridiculous preposterous swing on Saturday. Um, beyond that though, a weird game in that the Braves in a game they won in 10 innings had made 18 consecutive outs. You, you don't often see a team win when they do that against another good team. No, no. Uh, that's six. I mean, it wasn't exactly six innings in a row, but it was 18 consecutive outs, including the 10th inning. And then Orlando Arcia made the big swing to win the game, but, uh, a weird one all the way around other than Ronnie's bomb. Their, the offense was kind of just really quiet. And, uh, I don't know about you. The, the elder experience was really challenging for me on Saturday. He wasn't bad, but it was an adventure the entire way. It was it actually reminded me a little bit of, of Morton starts a couple times this year. We're like, just nothing is easy at all. Yeah. The entire start. Yeah. It's, it's honestly kind of what you would expect from Bryce elder starting a game in LA against that lineup, which has been statistically a top three lineup, basically the entire year. Uh, but, you know, Elder, as he has done, even though he walked four, gave up five hits, had base runners on basically every inning. Again, it wasn't hard contact. He wasn't getting rocked all over the park. Uh, got a huge double play from Will Smith to really keep uh, trouble at bay in the third. Also got a friendly corner from the home plate umpire to strike out Mookie with the bases loaded in the fifth. So, no, it was not sexy. It was not Max Fried going out and striking out 10. But Bryce did his job, and I think that's kind of the MO with him at this point. He's not going to blow you away. The stuff is what it is, but he's effective, and if he's mixing his pitches well and and doing a good enough job locating, I guess the location was off a bit with the four walks. But he gave the team six innings of one-run baseball, and you take that. No matter how you get there, you take that every single time. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. The one thing I will just note is that he he cannot afford, in a big picture sense, to walk four guys. Like Bryce has got to not walk guys. That's part of his uh, appeal. But uh, he got through it on that particular night, which was uh, all they had to have from him. They won that one again. Arcia with another, another big swing on his agenda this year, and um, that brings us to today. So they lose today's game. That's notable. We'll talk about that in a second. Let's just say this though: they won the series, and they also won the season series on Saturday, which was a very important thing in the event that the Dodgers somehow, I shouldn't say somehow, the Dodgers catch the Braves in the race. Now, the Braves are up six with four weeks to go. That is uh, a pretty large margin, but, you know, things could happen. The Braves could have a slump. They could pull off the pedal a little bit. So that's not instrumental by any means. So, But now, what that ensures is if they tie, the Braves have home field. And uh, I know we talked about it a couple of weeks ago with Steven, I would rather have home field and the number one seed. I don't care who the opponents are. Give me give me home field number one seed. That's my personal opinion, and uh, that was uh, a step toward that. Because if you lose that, or if you you know or whatever, now you're like it's it's kind of a two game swing that kind of made Saturday's game even even bigger. That secured that victory, and well, that kind of I guess allowed them to afford to I suppose is the way I'll put that lose today and not have it really impact much. Yeah, you know, I'll admit I was a little on the fence on the one seed versus two seed thing. I and get it. I mean, I, I just I want home field personally. So that's just yeah. me. I get it. And part of that was, I mean, again, there's PTSD from last year and what the Phillies did. Um, you know, but well, and right look, now, it's, base, it's baseball, Scott. You know, I uh, exchanged Twitter messages or Twitter tweets or whatever you want to say, X's. I'm not sure how they, how they said it now about this, but like 
we've said it a lot. We'll say it again. I'm sure a lot more in the next four weeks. Baseball is so random that I, I just want I want the edges, but n- nothing is going to be a huge edge no matter what. <laughs> it's playoff baseball. No, no, and you're you're going to play a good team no matter who you see in the playoffs. Right? There's no bad teams. Um, so you know, for the Braves to do everything they really could to cement the probability or likelihood of being the one seed was huge. I mean, I think I was quickly reminded how much I hate the Braves in this ballpark in LA. Um, (laughs) I mean, it's just Mark Bowman had a great number. So the Braves won three games this weekend in LA dating back to 2018, which is when this division run started. The Braves had won two regular season games and one playoff game, and that includes two different series, the 2018 NLDS and the 2021 NLCS. So between five regular seasons and two playoff series, the Braves had won three games in Southern California over the last five years, and they won three games in a row on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So that really can't be overlooked. It is a very, very difficult place to win. L.A. is very good. And to have the tiebreaker, I absolutely agree with you. Give me the number one seed. If they can get there, I'll take the home field. And you you, you play who you play. Maybe it's the Phillies. Maybe the Phillies lose as the top wildcard team to whoever's going to be the five. Uh, there's a pretty crazy wildcard race in the National League. If oh, yeah. uh, If folks haven't seen that, go check the standings. There's legitimately like seven teams going for for oh, three spots. No, no, literally. I I will pull this up earlier to share it with you later. Let's just do it now. There are six teams that are sorry. There are so the, the Phillies have a pretty decent lead, two and a half games or so. But there are four teams little, right now currently tied for the third wild card spot. Four teams. Wow. Marlins, Giants, Diamondbacks, and Reds are all tied for the third spot. It's Phillies and Cubs, one and two, by, again, a decent margin. Not not a huge margin, but literally four teams are tied right now for one playoff spot. That's crazy. Going into Labor Day. So uh, that's as tight as it gets. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, So, you know, if you are the one seed, of course, you're going to see the four, which is looking like the Phillies or the five, which could be the Cubs. It could be the Giants. It could be the Diamondbacks. It's seemingly changing by the day. Could be the Reds. Could be the could Marlins. Be the Somehow the Marlins, the Marlins are back. They've won yeah. four in a row. The Marlins are alive. Um, yeah, and you know, you mentioned even the the bigger or larger lead for the Cubs and the Phillies. I mean, that's a bad series, and all of a sudden they're in trouble. Oh yeah, the Phillies had a bad week. It, it helped out. Um, you know, the, the Brewers beat up on the Phillies pretty good. Uh, the Cubs have been very Jekyll and Hyde. The Diamondbacks have been very Jekyll and Hyde. The, the Giants have cooled off significantly. The Marlins have cooled off. So it really is going to be a fun National League wildcard race because, as you just said, there are legitimately a half dozen teams who are going to be within potentially a game of each other right down to the very wire. Yeah, uh, buckle up. And that's a nice thing for the Braves. They don't have to worry about any of that probably at this point in time. And I, I say probably on purpose. Okay. Today's game, we talked about it a little bit in a circle. Um, they were close to their first sweep at Dodger Stadium since 1994. <laughs> That's a long time. That's the strike season. It's been a, it's been a long time since then. Um, we talked about Morton earlier. Um, I thought it was kind of funny that they did not exactly, in my description, put on the uh, put on the gas with the, with the bullpen usage in this game. It was Dylan Lee, Brad Hand, and, uh, and, El- and Heller to end the game. That was not a huge surprise, but uh, it was a close game, and they didn't really treat it like one for the most part. Yeah, it felt like, especially with the off day tomorrow. Yeah. It was like, all right, let's get the boys home. If we win, awesome. We'll take it. It would have been the first four game sweep for the organization against the Dodgers since 1906. They were the <laughs> Boston Bean Eaters. And they were sure, going sure to they play. Were. The, the Dodgers were in Brooklyn, of course. So we're talking, what, 118 years or so? Um, so sure it would have been awesome it would have been a real statement across the league if they would have swept and you mentioned it was three to one it was a one-run game for a lot of it they had an opportunity late couldn't get it but I I mean I'm I'm not on that airplane flying home but I guarantee the vibes even with the loss on Sunday are very very good after taking three out of four in LA and and then sweeping Colorado yeah uh, not a bad result no matter what Olsen hits a home run he was scuffling a little bit so that was good to see from him uh, I have nothing else to add. They were obviously playing quite well. 
at this point in time and uh we'll leave it there yeah um, it was um one quick note yeah it was good to get dylan lee back yes out. he has been out since like middle of may which is i mean time flies but and he had been healthy for a while and they kind of acknowledged that tacitly that he he probably could have pitched three weeks ago but they had no roster spots and all that stuff but so he came up and looked good He's going to be in the mix for the playoffs, and he will have four weeks now to really build up. His velocity has has been good. It's it's in line with his career numbers. Uh, he look his breaking stuff was sharp. He got a strikeout. He got a double play on Sunday as well. So you know, I don't have to tell listeners how effective Dylan Lee has been at times over the last couple of seasons. So you know, between him and and then Brad Hand, who also worked an inning. Kind of feels like those two might be vying for one left-handed bullpen spot. Maybe two. I don't know. We'll see. We certainly have that discussion down the road. And then Ben Heller, who was a, who got off to the great start with the Braves earlier and cooled off a bit. You know, he had been pitching really well in Gwinnett and then got the call over the weekend and pitched pretty well. He should have fielded a comebacker that would have kept the game at one. Just kind of misplayed it. Um, but you mentioned the loss on the way home. They used Dylan Lee, Brad Hand, and Ben Heller out of the bullpen. It was, you know, they, they didn't exactly exhaust their big guns and then lose the game. It was nice to give everybody a day off ahead of tomorrow's off day. Yeah, two days off for Mentor, Iglesias, et cetera, is a positive thing. Um, not a ton of news, which is normal for this time of year. I know Vaughn Grissom has been like tearing the, tearing the cover off the ball in Gwinnett. There's a long streak there going on. But as far as big league stuff is concerned, the big thing is probably Kyle Wright, who pitched on Wednesday for Gwinnett. He didn't look great by all accounts. I did not see the start by any means, but I saw reports about it. He wasn't particularly hitting his spots, but they seemed like they were just kind of treating him with kid gloves. It's kind of the feeling that I got asking around, like they weren't trying to push him terribly hard and that's fine, but it's like, he's not going to maybe just cruise to the majors at this point. He's got four more weeks, but we talked about it once at least already, like maybe there's a bullpen role for him. Maybe he's just not going to be ready. Nothing is assured there, but he is uh, still on the way back. Yeah. And I think with Kyle, it's just a matter of him getting his work in building up his strength we, we talked about him quite a bit last weekend, but for me, I'd, I would be surprised if he gets to a point where he's throwing six or seven innings or a hundred pitches at really any point over the next two months. But you, there's a potential bullpen role for him. We talked about utilizing him as like a, a power multi-inning guy, which he has experience doing, um, you know, and, and in the minors without, without seeing the game with my own eyes either. No, he wasn't throwing a ton of strikes. You never know what kind of home plate zone there is. Usually when minor leaguers see a a notable big leaguer on the mound, sometimes they're just swinging away and and hacking like crazy. So uh, you never want to overreact too much to a a not great box score. Uh, But for Kyle, it sounds like he's feeling better or feeling fine. He'll probably make another start early this upcoming week. And if you can get him into the mix for the playoffs, then all the better. Yeah, that's well said. Um, And before we get out of here, a brief look ahead to the coming week, as we always do at the end of the podcast. They're off on Labor Day, which is a little bit strange. It's not like completely out of the realm of possibility, but um, usually teams like to play on these holidays. That gets, you know, big time uh, gate revenue. People like to go out on holidays, but uh, just a travel day after the 10 game West Coast trip. So I'm sure nobody on the Braves is upset about the day off, but it is what it is. And then they have a homestand against the Cardinals and the pirates the cardinals are terrible scott it's not usually the we could say that but the, they're really they really are they're awful they really are <laughs> what a shame what a yeah. true true shame i'm very saddened by this it's Brad. just but honestly though it, it is just more i number one i agree with you number two uh it's just weird like they have not had a losing season since forever they, they're having their worst season since 2007 like that's i was in college still that's a long time i'm not i'm not a young man scott so they're they're just prime, but they're the Cardinals 59 and 78. Like they're terrible. Yeah, it's, they're worse I, than I the worst. They're worse than the Pirates. It's just insane to me. The Mets and their ineptitude has covered up a lot. And even the Padres, too, who, of course, had big time expectations. They're struggling. They're also below 500. But the Cardinals are just flat out bad. They have no pitching. The lineup is fine, but not great. And the bullpen's been a disaster all year long. Um, I'm curious, Brad, what do you, maybe you have an insider info on this. Does, does Chip Carey get like a, a video <laughs> on Tuesday night when he returns? I don't have insight on that. I would imagine they, is this the first time? 
yeah. yeah. So I would imagine he'll get some sort of acknowledgement. That's my guess. Uh, maybe not. But upgrade of the year. Yeah, we we talked about it then. I was I said all I needed to say the first time. I don't need to pile on, but I I, I was in favor of the move, uh, and I and I'm, I'm I think I'm proven right on that one. I'm pretty excited about the about Brandon and the way he's uh, called games this year. But yeah, I think that Chip will get an acknowledgement when he comes comes on home to Truist. Yeah. Although home for him is not here. Actually, uh, home for hope for him is Wrigley Field somewhere probably. But oh boy. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, that's that's gonna happen. And look, the Cardinals. We say this all the time, but I'll say it again. Uh, they could lose two or three to the Cardinals, and it wouldn't be it wouldn't be terribly shocking. It's it's baseball, but that's not it's not a good it's not a good team. Let's just say they're bad. they're bad. They are bad. Um, it looks like it's going to be Miles Michaelis, Dakota Hudson, and Adam Wainwright, and it is truly the ghost of Adam Wainwright at this point. Braves legend. He's very bad. He should have retired. I mean, he had he got paid like fifteen million bucks, so I'd probably and be that's why he did not retire. <laughs> bad at something for fifteen million, but uh, you know, Michaelis is a good pitcher. I'm the Braves have a TBD for Tuesday. Yep. It could be Michael Soroka. It could be. I saw uh, some speculation about that. You know, they got no one's only, come out and said anything about they like. Yeah. Usually there'll be like a prediction from someone on the beat. And I didn't see anyone actually do that this time. I'm, I'm checking again now to make Maybe sure. That Dylan Dodd was, was yeah. thrown out there. You got um, you got Dodd. You got Soroka. Um, you know, Winans hasn't pitched in like a week and a half anywhere which is a little bit weird i don't know what's going on there um yeah, yeah so we'll see but as of we're recording this on sunday night we, we don't know who's pitching tuesday it's kind of yeah so you know a tbd against michaelis is not by any means uh you know it's it's probably more of a 50 50 game to be honest um and then you have dakota hudson and adam wainwright who are both bad against uh spencer strider and max freed so you feel good about that anytime those two guys pitch in a series you have to like atlanta's chances uh, but, you know, it's, as we've outlined, anytime you get the Cardinals in town, they have some real names in that lineup, Goldschmidt, Arenado, Contreras. Uh, so you can't take them lightly. And then the Pittsburgh Pirates come to town, who are not um, – the Pirates are not like depths of the ocean bad, as they have no. been in recent years. They are much better than usual this year. Yeah, yeah. And they have some some fun young players. They They were a tough, pesky team against the Braves. They went two and two just a couple of weeks ago when they met. So, uh, you know, not not an easy series. There were there were times over the last few years where you look at Pittsburgh's lineup and you go, these guys literally are going to score four runs over three games. They have nobody. They they have some pieces this year, and I think at least are on the trajectory of being better than they have been, which is I guess not saying a whole bunch. Yeah, I have two fun with the standings segments here. One of them is that Pittsburgh has the second fewest runs scored in the National League. Uh, can you guess who they're beating in runs scored? Ooh, um, the oh man, um, the Nationals. It is the Miami Marlins who are still over five hundred right now. They, they just can't score runs. Now that's that's number wow. one in the funny one. So Pittsburgh's offense, to your point. Not very good still. Uh, the other I don't one, understand. You, how are the Marlins winning? Uh, they win every close game. I mean, it's, that's been this all yeah. all season long. It's been the same thing. I'm I'm looking now to make sure to have the right numbers for the full season. Uh, the Marlins are 28 and 12 in one run games. Oh, and that's how they they're are. winning. Yeah, um, and I guess I mean the starting rotation is legitimately good. No, their 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 pitching has been really good all year, honestly. Yeah. But their offense, you shouldn't be. Over 500 when you have the the fewest runs scored in, in the league, but um, they win every close game. Um, I, I mentioned the Braves expect a win loss record earlier earlier in the podcast. The Marlins expect a win loss record is 63 and 74. So they've won seven more games than they probably should have won based on the metrics because they keep winning every close game. So that's that one. Uh, the other one is not not uh, NL East related, but uh, you mentioned the Padres earlier and their uh, underachievement, which is certainly true. Uh, the Padres currently have a better run differential than the Brewers who lead the, who lead the NL central. Yeah. Padres are having an <laughs> all timer of a year. They're like, Oh, and 12 and extra innings. They're doing the opposite of the Marlins except and, worse. Yeah. They're terrible in one run games. I mean, they, it seems like they are six months, and 22 in one run games. Oh man. Six yeah. and 22. And That's 0 and 11 tough. extra innings, like you said. 0 and, 0 and 11 in extra innings. We, we thought the Braves were bad in extra innings games previously. 0 and 11 is out of this world. That's insane. That, 
that's the kind of stuff that makes you lose your hair watching a baseball season. Cause I, I have, I have a close friend who's a Padres fan and I'm, I'm going to text him after this podcast just to, just to check it on him just for this read. After seeing all this, I can't imagine he's doing very well. Yeah. Welfare check. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. I don't know what's going to happen there, but Hey, um, we'll leave it, but certainly not the kind of high profile week the Braves have had the last couple, especially this week, but you know, it's, it's too early to just not care at all. It's one of those things. So uh, six games at home, I think if you simulated these six games, they probably would go four and two the majority of the time because uh, that's kind of what the Braves have been this year. They're winning two-thirds of their games. Um, I think if you put two, uh, you know, two teams that they're better than at home, it should continue in that way. But, you know, you, you got to win the games. So they'll be fresh on Tuesday. We'll see who pitches on Tuesday and uh, go from there. Yep. And uh, looking at the standings, the Braves' magic number is 12 for the division. So – with only six games, highly unlikely they clinched this week. But the following week, they actually play the Phillies for four games. So that seems like it could be on the horizon. I know that there is a jinx here, and I am knocking <laughs> on wood. Uh, the playoff magic number is actually seven. So it is possible maybe next, you know, this upcoming weekend, the Braves could, could yeah. clinch a uh, playoff number or a playoff number, a playoff spot. Um, I, you know, I don't think the team is going to make a huge deal over it just because they, you know, the difference in magic number between the division and the playoffs is only five. There's a month to go, all of those things, but they could officially get into the playoffs this upcoming week. And as you said, you never want to take teams lightly. It'll be nice to have an off day on Monday. Let those guys rest after almost 11 full days away on the West coast and uh, hopefully take care of business against two teams that are that are struggling and just kind of wrap this thing up sooner rather than later. So I listed those four teams earlier that are tied for the third wildcard spot. The Braves have a 20 and a half game lead on those four teams. So that's how you get to uh, a very small magic number as far as on Labor Day, because they are 20 and a half games up on those teams. And it only takes, you know, a couple of uh, good results to get it over the finish line. The Braves... The craziest, I think the craziest perhaps stat for the Braves this year is that they are 46 and 24 on the road. The uh the cheating lab is mobile, Brad. Haven't the cheating you heard? lab is mobile. That is actually yeah. true. Uh but yeah. They also have some crazy numbers against teams above 500. Imagine, which I was, imagine if they had to play games on Sundays. How good they'd be. That's very I fine with me. You know, full, they they would be circle. like they would uh yeah, just um, a remarkable team, man. Just, you know, I, I try when, when you're in the day to day grind of a baseball season and you do a podcast and you write about the games and you recap and you do news, you know, it's easy to just kind of get lost in it. And it's one after the other. But man, this has been just a fun baseball season all year long and just a great team to follow and to cover and to root for. I mean, it's just been a blast. Strongly agree. And uh, I wish we had some baseball to watch tomorrow on Labor Day, but um, take this time to uh, maybe. Do something else with your life. And uh, kudos to you, Scott, for covering, I think, every game or almost every game this week because it was West Coast season. Uh, it was very late, uh, not necessarily for you, but it was like normal late for you. You were doing yeah. recaps like 10 o'clock at night, which is not something you know, that you normally do. <laughs> and they uh, won. They played well. They historically, won games. Yes. well. Historically, when I've been on game recaps, the team has not played well. So they exercised some demons, won a bunch of games. Really, again, just a six and one week overall is is really great. And had some uh, had a lot of fun getting back, dusting off the old keyboard and, and doing some game recaps was a lot of fun. There you have it. Uh, well, Scott, we're at the end of the road here on Sunday, September 3rd. Where can folks find all of your musings on a day to day basis? Plug everything you want to plug on this Sunday. Oh, man. Uh, I am at Scott Coleman 55 <laughs> on X, formerly known as Twitter. Uh, thank you to everybody for checking us out. Please do leave reviews, subscribe, download, all of those things. It helps us out tremendously. Uh, we really do appreciate all of the support, and we will continue to be here every single week. Hopefully wrap this puppy up here soon and then shift our focus to October baseball. Should be a lot of fun along the way, and, and we, we'll be back next weekend, Brad. Yes, we will. Please subscribe to this podcast. Congratulations to Scott on the Arizona Wildcats opening the season against uh, Northern Arizona with a 38-3 win on Saturday. Brad, are uh, you wearing a free Jim Harbaugh shirt? Just I'm. To- I'm I, that was embarrassing to me, so no, I'm not wearing a free Jim Harbaugh shirt. Damn it. Uh, you caught me, though. We should do this podcast on the video so you can see what I'm wearing right now. No, I'm kidding. Um, I'm actually in a, uh, a full-size Jim Harbaugh 
jersey right now. I'm just there you go. Do you have like fat heads on the wall? I, I should have a fat head on the wall, of Jim Harbaugh. That would go over all my Hawks podcast. It's up that's on video. People really enjoy that. Um Thanks. anyway. Thank you, Scott, for being here one more time. Please support the podcast any way you possibly can. The best place to do that is to subscribe. So pick your podcast platform or two or three of choice and auto-download the podcast, all that fun stuff. Sean should be back at some point in the near future. He's been on hiatus, and shouts to Sean. He's a legend. But we're, we're filling in the gaps a little bit around him. We have the podcast name later on the same feed with Chris and Steven and this show. And uh, you'll want to be following us over the next two months because as soon as the playoffs arrive, we're going to be uh, blowing things out um, every single day, basically. Uh, I know that I almost died from lack of sleep when the Braves made their run two years ago. Probably it's going to happen it. again. Uh, it, it was definitely worth it. That's 100% true. But uh, yeah, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast now. Tell a friend about the show. And we'll see you all next time. <laughs>